Genesis all the way beginning. Genesis chapter 6, this is the beginning of the year, so we're going to start uh, in Genesis chapter number 6 this morning. Genesis 6, I'm going to ask you to stand with me for just a little bit. Genesis chapter 6, and uh, let's start reading in verse number 1. Genesis chapter 6, verse number 1. It came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, that means beautiful, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man. Whatever verse 2 is, God's not pleased with it. Look at what it says in verse 3. For that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. Now you say, why does it say it, they shall be? Look back at chapter 5 and look at verse number 32. They're not quite limited to that age yet. But after the flood, things change a little bit. And the Lord says, I'm going to limit man's uh, days to 120 years. Look at verse 4. There were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came in on the daughters of men, they bare children of them. The same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowl. It's so bad, he destroys everything. That's how bad it was. For it repenteth me that I have, you may go, well, things are really bad right now. We still haven't reached the depravity of Noah's day. We're close. You know how I know that? Because Jesus says, in the day, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. We are getting towards that, but man, it was, it was so bad. God didn't just wipe out mankind. He wiped out all the creatures as well. Uh, look at verse uh, number 7 at the end. For it repenteth me. When you get God to change his mind on something, boy, you're, you're doing something. For it repenteth me that I've made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. I'm thankful that even in a messed up world, there's still grace. Amen. Look at verse 9. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. That doesn't mean he was sinless. It means he was complete, mature, following the Lord. But look at this last part in verse 9. This is what I want you to highlight. And Noah walked with God. I want to talk to you about moving forward in 2024 over the next several Sundays, looking at men that walked with God, what we can learn from them. Noah, there's a lot that could be said about him, but I, I would call your attention to verse 9. Noah walked with God. Brother Tim, good to have you back. If you'd ask the Lord's blessing on the word. Thank you. 
Amen. Be seated if you would. The Bible says in Ephesians 2 that before you're saved, you walk in darkness. Before you're saved, you walk according to the course of this world. And he uses the term walk appropriately. Because when you're walking with someone, that means that you are in agreement with them. And I would say this, oftentimes the Christian life, it feels, not that it, it actually is, but it feels complicated. Uh, I'm supposed to read my Bible, I got to pray, I, I should go to church, I should witness, I should give, all these things that I'm supposed to be doing, and because of all these things I got to do, I'm, I'm not doing all those things, and so, Lord, I need to do all those things, and I'll just say this, kind of simplify the Christian life a little bit for you this morning. I want to make it simple. And I want to point your attention to this. If you can just learn to walk with God this year, a lot of the other things that you know you should do, they're going to happen. <laughs> but you've got to learn to say, Lord, I want to walk with you like Noah did in his day. Uh, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, you don't have to turn there, but Paul gives a warning. And he talks about how Eve was beguiled. She was tricked. She was deceived. And, and, and what was it that she was deceived from? She was deceived from knowing God as he should be known. Uh, she was deceived. And, and because of that, uh, he gives a warning that we as believers today should not be removed from the simplicity that is in Christ and have our minds corrupted. The Christian life, listen to me, is not easy, but it is simple. And it's simple because God says, look, if you'll learn to walk with me, if you have a desire to walk with me, all the other things that you know ought to be a part of your life, you will find them in your life. Uh, Paul says it this way, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before. You may not know it, but over in the book of Micah, God deals with Israel and he goes, hey, well, was serving me really that hard? Well, have I grieved you because I asked you to, to follow me? And he kind of gets a little snippy. I don't, I don't want to say sarcastic, but kind of. He, he kind of goes into, into the realm of, was it hard on you to have a relationship with me? Uh, listen, I, I would be, if we're honest about it, it would be a lot harder on him, amen? Here's all these things that God hates. Here's all these things that God says, uh, this is what I put my son, this is why I had my son down that cross for. And we engage in him and we embrace them and we love them. And at times we turn our back on him. I would say it's much harder for God than it is us. And yet the Lord deals with Israel and goes, hey, I've noticed you guys are kind of kind of going through the motions like you don't even want to be here and you're just showing up but you don't really care. And you're bringing all the sacrifices you have to, but I can tell your heart's not in it. And he says this, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee? You think it's that hard? He's what he says. To do justly, to love mercy, and lastly, to walk humbly with thy God. You know what you want to know what God requires of you? Walk with him. Walk with him. Uh, 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 Olivia is starting to learn how to walk. And she, you know, we kind of, we, I don't know, we are backward. We started her on the kitchen counter. Probably the worst place to start a baby. <laughs> I'm going to admit that right now, and if deep CPS or whatever else is watching, we got it all cleared. Don't worry about it. It's all taken care of now. But she does this thing now. We're like, wait, 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 wait. Emma will put her down, and she'll walk to mom. Before she can walk, though, what she'll do is she'll have to kind of balance the baby's arms out. And she balances her arms out, and then she just kind of goes, and she falls into the arms of the person on the other end. She can't even quite walk all the way herself yet. She knows she can take a couple steps, and after a couple steps, you know what she does? She falls into mom's arms. She falls into dad's arms. She falls into her brother's arms. You say, what is it? It's a great picture of us as believers when we first start learning how to walk. I don't even know necessarily how to do this, but Lord, you're on the other end. You are waiting to receive me. And Lord, if I walk and I stumble, I know that you'll catch me, amen? And Noah, of all the things that are said about Noah, look at the backdrop 
of what's going on in Genesis 6. Let's look at it one more time. Uh, Look at verse 5. God saw that the wickedness of man was great. Every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. God repented. It grieved him at his heart. The Lord said, I'm going to destroy everything. Uh, God says, I am grieved. I'm I'm going to destroy all that's in the earth. You say, what is that? It shows you this was not easy for uh, an easy time for Noah to walk with God. You know what we say today? It's real hard to walk with God these days, last days. Can I tell you something? It was really hard for Noah. I've got a church. Noah didn't have a church. You've got, some of you have family. Listen, you know who Noah had? Noah had, you go, well, he had his family. Look, first off, let me just say that the way I envision it, I don't know. It took about 100 or so years to build this thing. I don't know if, like, he had a job. You ever think about this? He had bills to pay. He had stuff to get. He had to make sure food was on the table. How did he do that and build the ark at the dimensions that God lays out? Maybe what Noah's doing is he's going out to work every day and then coming home at night, having dinner real quick with the family and going out there and building this ark. I don't know how it all worked. I can't prove it, neither can you. I just drew that up in my mind and say, maybe it was that way. The idea is this. Talk about a lonely experience. Going out and telling everybody, when everybody walks by and sees what you're doing, and they're going, man, you, why don't you come with us to this? No, nope, no, nope, I got something to do. I'm building something for God. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, sure, building something for God. And what is this? Well, it's an ark. Well, what's it for? It's for water. We don't even know what, what are you talking about? It's never rained before. Imagine how lonely that was, and yet in the midst of all of that, he is preaching righteousness, according to Peter, and he's walking with his God. No friends. He's got his family barely. And I believe that based on some things that happened after they lay on the other side, but I'll just say this much. Here's a man that did not have much, but he had God. Here's a man that was lonely in his endeavors for God, but he walked with God. What do you think got him through all that? Can you imagine, some of you experience, you know, going to work and someone asks you about certain, certain things, why don't you go to the happy hour or whatever, and you go, oh, I'm a Christian. Oh, well, I'm a Christian too. What's your big, no, 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 no. And, you know, and this thing comes up and that thing comes up and you say, well, I'm a, I'm a Christian. The Bible says this. And, oh, well, you know what, man, you think you're so good. No, 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 no. And, and, and it's, it's like that for just like five minutes. Imagine like a hundred years of your life where people are walking by going, there's the idiot you know what Noah was? The village idiot who's building something that nobody understands and why he's doing it nobody gets. The judgment of God. Dude, it's been five decades you've been talking about the judgment of God. It still hasn't come. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the day. You talk about Jesus Christ coming back. Oh, they've been saying that for a long time. The rain eventually fell, my friend. They've been saying, well, he's preaching for 100 years. You've been talking about Jesus Christ. He's coming back. He's come. Marvelous day it's going to be. I can't wait to see him. He's going to come. Whether we're ready or not, here he comes. Okay? But, but the truth is this. When Noah walked with God, it wasn't like everything was like, you know, I, I think sometimes people read the Bible and go, oh, yeah, Noah walked with God. Uh, you know, and, and, and everyone around him was like, oh, Noah. No, man. He was all by himself. No one wanted to be that guy. Uh, it's kind of like being the person that, that is like the pariah of the, of the city. Nobody wants to be the guy that nobody wants to be around. Because once you're around the guy that nobody wants to be around, nobody wants to be around you. So you know what Noah was? He was alone, but he wasn't. Why? Because he walked with God. 
And you look at the, the, the prophecy that Paul lays out in Timothy about the, in the last days, men shall be lovers of their own selves and, and, and heady and high-minded and truth breakers without natural affection and all those things. You go, man, how was Noah able to walk with God in the midst of all the violence and sexual depravity and people ignoring God's preaching and, and saying the judgment's never going to come and all that stuff? You say, what was it like? It was just like it was in the days of Lot. They're buying, they're selling, they're involved in business, and Lot's going, guys, uh, uh, we got to go. Why? God's judgment's coming, and there come the laughter. You know what God does? God's real creative. One time, he brings water down, and then they're like, well, uh, Lord, you're going to bring judgment again, huh? Yeah. What do you think this time? Fire, right? Brings rain one time, fire another time. You know what they did both times? They laughed. They said, oh, come on really believe that old-timey God's going to judge us kind of stuff? Like, what is that? Let me tell you what that is. That's Bible. There's a holy and a righteous God. And you know, you live in in the generation that mocks your Savior and mocks your God openly. There's no shame in this generation. You have to learn to do is say, I'm going to walk with God anyways. Listen, in, in, in 2024, you may go, oh, I'm the only one. You're not. You're full, you're in a church full of people that are trying to walk with the Lord. Noah had nobody. It wasn't like he could get on Facebook and connect with some preacher on the other side of the country or YouTube or something like that. It was Noah plus zero, nobody else but God. And let me tell you something right now. But God is a big majority. Noah walked with God. You know, because he walked with God, God showed him some things and God allowed him to experience some things that nobody else could experience during that time. Why? Because he was willing to say, no matter what anybody else does, Lord, I'm going to walk with you. You know, I think about Lot, and as he leaves that place, Sodom, the Bible says that his wife looked from behind him. You know what that shows me? Lot was kind of pushing her, and she's kind of desperately trying to get that one last look. You say, what's she doing? She's looking back. Can I tell you this, Christian? You have no business looking back to last year or the guilt from the past or anything like that. You need to let that go. It'll do you no good. <laughs> By the way, it's also going to, I'll also tell you this, looking back to past victories, I love it when someone tells me, yeah, I used to, you know, I used to tell people about Jesus, I used to go to church, I used to, well, what, what is all that about? Quit living in the past, do it now. <laughs> but, but here what you have is you have someone that's fleeing uh, judgment as a picture of a believer getting out before God's wrath comes out, and, and Lot's wife looks back, and the Bible says that when she looked back, she became a pillar of salt. You say, What happened? Jesus refers to this in the New Testament in the Gospel of Luke, and he says, remember Lot's wife. What did she do? She chose to walk in a different direction, and it changed her forever. Noah chose to walk with God. Can I say this? There, your past is nothing worth looking back to at all. You know what walking with God implies? It implies choice. Look at Genesis chapter 6, verse 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Oh, well, Noah just found grace. Well, why? Look at verse 9. He walked with God. You know what that is? That's a choice. How about this, Christian? Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. There is a process where you walk, and eventually you stand, and eventually you sit. And you know what this is? It's a process of, of, come on, of being uh, comfortable in a certain place, of being in fellowship with what is around you. Here's what I've noticed. When Christians are walking in the world and walking in darkness, they come to church and they are not comfortable. You just heard a testimony earlier this morning about that. It's kind of like these weird Christian people. Amen. <laughs> 
But man, when you're walking with the Lord and you desire to walk with him, it is a completely different experience. You know what you do? You make a choice as to who you walk with. I love when people say, I'll try to do whatever. Try to go to work. Try to get a paycheck. Ask your boss to try to pay you. I'll try to walk with God. How about you just decide, I'm going to walk with the Lord by his grace. You know what Noah had to do? He had to choose to do that. You don't just wake up one day and have the friends that you do. That's, those are choices. You don't just wake up one day and have the habits that you have. Those are choices, uh, milliseconds and seconds of thought over time that compound into minutes and hours and days and weeks and months and years of your life that form patterns of character. Those all go back to choices that you make. They're not accidental. Listen, walking with God is a choice. Can I say it like this? Adam also walked with God until he didn't. Let me just say it like this. This is a daily choice you have to make. It is a choice. It's a daily choice. Adam walked with God. And isn't it amazing that Adam, the Bible says, blesses man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Adam would walk with God in the cool of the day. Don't you think what was going on is God had given Adam counsel and God is enlightening Adam? And then one day, Adam decides, I'm going to walk in the counsel of a different voice. And once he takes that path and he walks in the counsel of that different voice, do you know what happens? All of a sudden, when God comes around, what does Adam do? He hides from God. You know what I'm you right now? You are not going to be able to walk with God and the world. God and your own desires. God and your, sometimes God and family. I don't know. I'm not here to tell you you always have to boot your family. I'm going to tell you right now, when they put you in a corner and say, you better leave God or else, choose God. Because <laughs> you won't stand in front of your family at the judgment seat. You won't stand in front of your family when you take your last breath. You'll stand in front of your creator and your savior. <laughs> you know what he says there? He says, look, in regards to Noah, and the reason why he was able to do what he did in spite of all the other things that were going on in the world was that Noah understood that God had created him for a purpose and that purpose was fellowship. Listen, when you get saved, you know what you do? You are restored to the original purpose that God desired for you. That was, listen, God did not save you because he needed minions to do his work. God didn't save you to make you a factory widget, you know, pump you out of the, the salvation factory or something like that. God saved you to restore him to him, you to himself. He saved you to bring, him, to bring you back to him. You say, why did God save me? Because he wanted to have fellowship with me. You know, when you walk with God, you prove why you were created to begin with, Revelation 4.11, and you prove why God saved you. You know what, though? It's a choice. You're not automatically going to wake up one day and be like, I'm just walking with God. I didn't wake up one day and have six kids. I feel like it sometimes. <laughs> Those were choices, okay? Uh, I, I didn't wake up and say, I'm married now for 24 years. You say, what was it? It was a choice every single day to love her and vice versa. You know what that is? Those are choices. You, you go, people go, oh, I just wish it wasn't this hard, you know, and I just don't know. Quit the flopping and the, the waffling all the time. Just say, I'm going to walk with God. Amen. You know, yes, there are some challenges along the way, but the concept's not that challenge. It's a simple concept which is this, I'm not just going to walk in the direction that I want for this year. God, I want to walk with you, Lord. I want you to order my steps. Look at John chapter number six. As you turn to John, remember this, our lives are a sum total of the choices that we've made. True? Not true. I'd say true. You entered the Christian life by new birth. You know what that was? That was a choice on your part. 
And if you're going to walk with God, that's going to be a choice on your part. And if you're going to walk in someone else's uh, 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 counsel, that's a choice on your part. It is not accidental. You don't just kind of wake up and go, oh, man, I can't believe my life is where it is. Listen, your life is where it is in large part. Let me just say it like this. There are things you don't choose. You don't choose cancer. You don't choose uh, waking up one day and your loved one is, is no longer with you. I get that. But the, the reality is for the, a large majority of our lives, the things that we do control, these are a sum total of choices we make on a moment-by-moment basis. People say, man, I want to get into shape. I really want to get fit. And I want to, yeah, man, and the gym membership spike in January and they drop off in February. You say, why? Because it's like, I just really want to do it for one month. You're not going to get anywhere in a month. And listen, if you're going to walk with God, it's going to be a consistent walk, which means this. When you don't want to walk, you walk anyways. Amen. And when you don't want to read, you read anyways. When you don't want to come to church, you do it. Why? Because I'm walking with God. I'm letting him guide me. There are times now that Olivia can walk a little bit, hold her hand, kind of pick her up, kind of, kind of move her along, kind of scoot her along. And you know what she'll do sometimes? When she's done walking, she'll just go. <laughs> and like lie down like a sack of potatoes. Like, like she can no longer walk. She can walk. She's saying, I don't want to. Yes. You know what that is? That is a choice on her part. Just like God, your heavenly father is like, let's go. Let's go. Like, okay, all right. Oh, I'm tired. Oh, I just couldn't go any further. The Lord's like, yeah, you could. You just started right now. Yep. You, you quit before you got going. <laughs> you, you say, what is that? Listen, God wants you to walk with him. And he wants you, listen, regardless of how it feels, Sometimes walking with God feels great. Sometimes it doesn't. I'm going to tell you right now, there are moments where walking with the Lord does not feel great. The blessing afterwards does. Hey, when Noah gets off the ark and he's alive, woo! Thank God. A year plus on a boat with stinky animals, angry women, and the rest of it, and no escape, not fun. But he thanked God when he got to the other side. Look at John chapter 6. You realize sometimes the Lord's going to say things and do things you don't like? <laughs> See, when we try to create a God in our own image, He never does anything to offend us. Why? Because He would like everything I like and He'll do everything I'll do. That's not the God of the Bible. Look at John chapter 6. And uh, Jesus got done with a pretty hard conversation. And I won't go into all the doctrine, but he basically said some things that to the Old Testament Jew would have sounded kind of blasphemous if you didn't stick around to hear the whole message. You know, I've learned in church, I've watched it. Start preaching a message, I mention one thing, and someone all of a sudden goes, mm hmm. <laughs> and like, they're there, but they're gone. It's like everything else you're saying, preacher, I ain't listening. And then, don't, no, no, it's okay, I'm okay. I'm, I'm okay, sister, I'm okay, really. It's, it's more sad for the person that should be listening. Because in all honesty, the Lord's trying to show you some things. And just because you don't like it doesn't mean you shouldn't accept it. Because if something is true and something is right, you should walk in that truth, even if it's not convenient. You know, sometimes truth makes us do. It makes us go, you know what? I can't walk with that person anymore. Why? Because now I'm going to walk with God. And God's truth is enlightening me. But listen, the majority is going to go one way, and you're going to decide, you know what? I'm going to be like Noah. Regardless of what the majority says, I want to walk with God. Jesus is there, greatest preacher of all time. You could talk about Billy Sunday and, and uh, uh, J. Frank Norris and G. Beecham Vick and, and all the preachers from yesteryear, and they're great preachers, Bob Jones Sr., you know, all these great preachers, and, and list them out. The greatest preacher ever was Jesus Christ. 
I've gotten up to preach and I've said, you know, the wrong thing. I put the wrong, I quoted the verse wrong. I, I've done all kinds of things wrong while preaching. In the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. If you listen to a preacher long enough, he'll say something wrong and you go, uh, uh. you try this for a little bit, okay? Eventually, you'll say something wrong. Not that you wanted to, but you will. But here is Jesus Christ, the sinless Son of God, that never gets it wrong. Knows exactly what he's saying. Knows exactly. They tell you to read the room. He, he always read the room. He always knew who he was talking to. And you know what? Listen, he got up there and he's preaching some truth to them and talking about how he's the bread from heaven. And, and it was a very fitting message. Look at verse 66. How about at the end of church we have an invitation? And instead of you guys coming forward, the majority of you just walk out the door and say, see ya. I'd be like, well, that was weird. I mean, if everybody, we got up, and I said, okay, invitation, piano, piano player comes forward, and, and nobody comes to the altar, and everybody just walks out the back door. Jesus just got done preaching a message. Look at verse 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back, and I watched the rest of the verse, and walked no more with who? Why do you suppose the word walk is in there? Because walking with someone implies we are in agreement. Can two walk together except they be agreed? And so Jesus says some things that are offensive that they don't like, and rather than going, Lord, I don't know that I understand that. Put my pride down and go, Lord, I don't get that. I'm not sure how to apply that in my life. Lord, would you help me? Because if you said it, it must be right. Maybe I'm listening wrong, but Lord, you're right. But they didn't do that. Many, not just a few, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. I like this. Then, Je- then said Jesus unto the twelve, will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter, this is so good. Oh, boy, if you don't get anything else, get this. If you don't walk with God, where are you going to go? Amen. What are you going to do with your life? Amen. I'm going to get an education. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Okay, great, great, great. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Okay, but, but, but you're going to do that without God? Right. You realize he's the one that gives you the chance to think and to move? You realize if God wants you, you just go like that and your heart stops. Man, you, you, you should decide whatever you have in your hands, whatever gifts and abilities and talents and whatever God's giving you, Lord, I'm going to use this to walk with you. Peter says this, and Peter says some dumb things sometimes. Can we agree on that? You know, you know, Lord, uh, uh, no, so Lord, far be it from the Lord, and, and he rebukes the Lord. Lord, I know what you meant to say, but I think you said it wrong. I think what you meant to say was, and the Lord responds, get thee behind me. Peter does say some things wrong every once in a while. This is a right one. To whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. In other words, if I'm not walking with him, what am I doing? What am I choosing? Walking with God might be an unpopular choice. It might be a lonely choice. It might be a challenging choice. But you know what it is? It's the right choice. It's the best choice. You know what Elijah says there on top of Mount Carmel? He says, how long haunts you between two opinions? How long do the people of God exist by going, well, maybe we'll walk with God, maybe we won't. Maybe I'll walk with God here, maybe I won't. Listen, let me tell you something like that. When you live your life in a place of constant instability 
and constantly going, I will, I won't, I will, I won't. Let me tell you right now, it is the worst thing for children, I'll say that, parents right now, in church, out of church, in church, out of church, I like church, they offend me, I'm leaving. Uh, All that stuff, that instability, and it starts, you know where it starts? Not with church, it actually starts with your walk with God. Lord, even if I get offended, even if I don't like it, Lord, if you're leading, I'm walking. I don't walk walk with you, Lord. You know what that is? That's a choice. It's a choice a lot of people don't want to make. You know what I like? I like being in a place that goes, you got to choose. You get there, you get get the Starbucks, and you got the menu. I know there's other places you could go, okay? But it's fresh on my mind. Someone gave me a gift card, all right? And you get up there, and you go, I just don't know what I want. I hate being behind that person in line. You know what I want to do? I'll buy it if you let me choose for you, okay, pal? Because, like, we got places to go and people to see and other stuff, you know? And, and you get there, and someone's like, oh, but that's so, ooh, the praline. Oh, dude, just pick something. You know, we can talk about this afterwards, you know? Or why didn't you do your research before you came? They have this thing called an app on your phone. Hey, can I, can I, can I just say it like this? You expect people to make decisions when it's holding you up. And the God of glory that saved your soul is like, when are you going to pick, when are you going to choose me? When are we going to walk together again? When are you going to get lost in maybe a little bit of time that you just forget even what time it is? You're just, pre- you're just talking to me. I don't want to pick on you. I'm glad if you have any kind of devotional life at all. But if your devotional life these days sounds like this, Lord, thank you for my home. Thank you for the food. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. Uh, bless this. Bless that. And help that person. And Lord, help me read my Bible in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me tell you, you're missing out. I remember talking to this girl when she was my girlfriend in the 90s. And man, still two in the morning, (laughs) Pensacola time, (laughs) 1 a.m. her time. Oh, I just don't want to get off. I know me neither. (laughs) But man, those conversations would just go on and on and on. Emma was with me, and she goes, Dad, <laughs> we, we watch old commercials together, so that's kind of our thing. And she goes, Dad, what's long distance? <laughs> I said, back in the golden age, <laughs> phones were plugged into the wall. You could just see her head exploding, you know. But I, I remember getting conversations, and it, it, the, the conversation would go this way and this way. It wasn't just like, amen. Amen. It was like, yeah. Oh, you saw that? Yeah, that was a good game. Oh, what are they doing these days? Oh, I don't know. You know what? When we get married, yeah, that'd be great. How many kids do you want to have? 47. That sounds terrible. Okay. (laughs) Just get lost in the conversation. You know why? Because I love her. And I just wanted to be with her. Hey, you want to walk with God? How's your walk? Can I say this? It's a choice. You cannot get through your Bible without coming face to face with the reality that God is not going to let you just pass through life without making choices. Can I say this? Walking with God, go back to Genesis chapter number six. Walking with God comes with direction. I did a little bit of research and the speculation as to how many people were on the earth at the time, it spans from anywhere from like 750 million, which is a lot. I mean, you know, it's not 8 billion, but it's a lot. Uh, from 750 million all the way to about 4 billion. 
which is basically the population of our world in 1974. So let, let's say, for example, it was 4 billion. Can I just say this? That's a lot of people. 750 million is a lot. That's like twice the, the population of America. It's a big, that's big. All right, maybe not India. Amen, Brother Kidan, not, not quite that big, but, but it's a lot. And, and, and so I can, I can just see in my mind, 750 million all the way to 4 billion, and there's all those people. And out of all those people, it was one out of 4 billion or one out of 750 million that got direction from God as to what was coming and what to do. Can I say this? If you're walking with God, you'll have direction that the world doesn't have. Look, if you would, at verse number 13. I just don't know what to do. I'm not sure. You know what? I'm going to just say this right now. I, I had some, a young person come to me and go, I'm not sure if I should take this thing. I should do this thing. I'm not sure about this. I'm like, well, let me ask you this. Who told you you should? Well, my friend said this. My friend said that. I'm like, did God? Well, no. Then don't do it. You, you know what God's going to do? God is going, when you are willing to commit to walking with him, God is going to reveal things. Now, look, God did not show Noah everything at one time. He just says, build the ark. Noah had all kinds of questions. I mean, listen, when Paul the apostle gets saved, do you know what happens in his life? He asks the question, Lord, what will you have me to do? You know what God does not tell him? I want you to go, and I want you to have three missionary journeys, and I want you to write seven letters to seven churches, and I want you to, 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 to write 13 books in the New Testament. You know what God tells him? Uh, hey, go to this guy's house. Uh, it'll be told you what to do. Go to the city. It'll be told you what to do. Can you just tell me now? right? That would make sense. Go to the city, and when you get there, it'll be told you what to do. Lord, can you, can you just tell me now? He didn't do that. He had to go to the city, and then fall on his face and pray. And as he's praying, God reveals things to Paul, reveals something to Ananias, and brings Ananias to Paul and goes, brother Saul. He had never heard that from a believer ever. Jesus had already dealt with him, but now he's got a believer saying, Brother Saul, what a great moment. And by the way, he's blind at that time, cannot see. In that moment, he's blind, being led by other men, and he has to go to the city and wait and pray. I would have been like, God, if you're powerful enough to show up in the sky and knock me down and everything else, can you just tell me what I need to do to get rid of this blindness right now? He didn't do that. He doesn't tell Noah everything at one time. He tells Noah, build the ark. You know what Noah didn't have? You know what the world was in at the time? They were in darkness. Noah had light. Matter of fact, the first time darkness shows up in your Bible is in Genesis chapter 1. I won't have you turn there. But you know what you see? You see that darkness was upon the face of the deep. And God was not for it. The Bible says that when God creates light, he sees that light was good. The very first mention of light and darkness shows you that God loves light and he hates darkness because in him is, in God is light and God is light, First John. So therefore, believers, you know what that tells me? If I'm walking with God, I will have light and direction the rest of the world doesn't have. I want you to go quickly with me to John. Go to the Gospel of John, John chapter 1. You cannot walk with God and be in darkness. He will provide for you what he does not provide for the world. Light and direction. I, I, I recently saw a young man, in, and I'm not poking fun at California. It probably would happen in Colorado, no different. Colorado is California anymore anyway. So California, this guy, young man, uh, Bible, uh, a Christian young man, says, I'll give you 20 bucks if you can quote a Bible verse. Someone gives him the bird. I'll give you 20 bucks if you can quote a Bible verse. Leave me alone. 20 bucks if you can quote a Bible verse. Leave me alone. I'm not, I'm not here for that. 20 bucks if you can quote a Bible verse. What's wrong with you? 20 bucks. I mean, this goes on for hours. 
finally gets an old man that goes, I'd be happy to. And he just rattles off some scripture. You know what I saw on that old man's face? I didn't see anybody else. Light and life. Now, if someone came up to me and said, you know, would you rally behind, you know, the LGBTQ plus ZBBFORGSQU, whatever, I wouldn't be like, get away from me! I wouldn't have a problem. Like, no thanks. You know what? I'm okay. I'm good. Why does the world respond that way to the Bible? I'll tell you why. There's no light. There's no direction. It's dark. And, the, you know, let me tell you something. I, I, appreciate, I appreciate these lights. I'm going to tell you right now, this is not the same as light that comes from out there. Artificial light is not the same. And let me tell you something. We live in the day of artificial everything. Guys, it's called an impossible burger because it ain't a burger. Okay? I'm not picking on you if you're a vegan. If you want to eat it, go knock yourself out. I do not want to eat something grown in a lab. We used to think that was sci-fi, and now everyone's like, yay! Right. Whoa, right. where are we? You know, we live, we live in a age of artificial everything. Our artificial relationships. We're friends. No, we're not. We're connected on Facebook. Right. You, know, you understand what I'm saying? Right. Everything is kind of fake. And, and the world is moving deeper and deeper in that direction. Why do you suppose that is? Who do you think wants the world to go in that direction so they can all be deceived? I appreciate real light. Look at John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 4. In him was life, and the, we're going to do this real quick, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended not. You know what you know, Noah had in, in, in chapter 6, in verse 13, 14, 15? God tells him, build a boat. I want it this big. I want it this dimension. I want one window. I want three stories. I want one door. Put it down here. Do it like this. And I, if I'm Noah, I'm like, why do you care about every single dimension? Why does it have to be that way? That's what I would be tempted with. But you know what Noah does? Noah just obeys the light that God gives him. He obeys that light. Look at John chapter number 3. John chapter 3. John 3, verse 19, and this is the condemnation that light is coming in the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Look at John chapter number 8. John chapter 8. Go through the Gospel of John very quickly. John chapter 8. Look at verse 12. Then spake Jesus again to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Listen, you heard the testimony already. You can be saved and still walk in darkness. You have to make the choice to say, I'm going to walk with God. And when I do that, when I make that choice, what I have, the the blessing and the... Yes, there's a responsibility to make that choice wisely and to follow God. And there's a burden that's associated with that. But man, the blessing is, I know what I should do. Well, Lord, what about after? And what's going to happen then? And how are we going to get in the boat? And what about this? And what about that? Don't worry about that. Just respond to the light that you're given. And God will take care of the rest. You know what I think about? I think about those men, those two men that were, hear me out, walking on the road to Emmaus. And as they were walking, they get a third visitor that comes alongside. You ever had a conversation? Just two of you. And then someone else comes in and goes, oh, yeah? And it's like, I wasn't talking to you. And I don't want to make it like super obvious, but I really wish you would leave. Well, Jesus kind of just comes in and goes, oh, yeah? But they weren't like, get out of here. They're like, how come he knows about everything? And the more they walked with him, you know what they saw? More light. And the Bible says when they get to where they're going, 
They said this, did not our hearts burn within us when he spake unto us? Look back at Genesis chapter 6. You know, I'm telling you, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delighteth in his way. Look at all that God does. Look at verse 13. I want you to see this. You know what direction and light is? It's when God speaks. And he speaks to one person out of maybe billions. God said, not to the world. God, read verse 13. God said unto who? Noah. One guy. Why? Because Noah had a desire to walk with God. I'm going to tell you something. I want to I help you out a little bit. And this isn't just for our young people. It's for everyone. But yeah, I want them to hear this especially. There's a lot of things that are artificial light. They're not the real light. And I'm going to tell you right now, you know what that is? That's a plan to deceive you and to get you going in the wrong direction. You as a child of God, you know what to do? Say, I don't care what people think of me at church. I don't care what the world thinks of me. All I care about is I want to walk with Jesus. You say, well, when I'm so outwardly focused on what do they think, 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 then you know what I'm doing? I am going through the motions to appease people around me. You can come to church and you can go through the motions and not be walking with God. I'm praying that you'll learn to do that. Can I say this thirdly? Walking with God is, here's what it means. It means obedience without understanding. Look down at verse 14. Make the ark of gopher wood. Why? Because I said so. <laughs> Room shall thou make in the ark. Why? And shall pitch it within, I could do it quicker with nails. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits. That's one and a half football fields. The breadth of, of, of it, 50 cubits, that's three quarters of a football field. All right, the height, uh, uh, 30 cubits, that's half a football field high. That's a huge construction. Lord, are you sure it's that necessary? A window, and he says to put it at the top in verse number 16. Why put the door there? Why all these different, why three stories? Maybe the Lord's saying Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Maybe he's saying body, soul, spirit. Uh, maybe he's talking about the first, second, third heaven. I don't know, but he said three stories. You don't know how to do? Lord, you said it, I'm gonna do it. You know what I'm gonna tell you what's, what's holding some of you back? Here's the problem. Some of you treat God like you do instructions from Ikea. Because on step five, for example, I, this happened to me. On step five, there's this little, they're flourishing here, they're here, they. Some Swedish name that I don't, can't pronounce, you know, the, whatever that is. And it's like, you need to insert this and this. And I'm looking at it, and I'm going, okay, but it doesn't quite fit. And it kind of looks like if I leave that out, everything else still works fine. Anybody ever been there? So you go, I'm going to step number six because step five makes no sense at all. So I'm now in step six. And then when I get to step 47 at the end, it looks beautiful. And it falls down as soon as someone sits on it. It looks good on the outside, but it's of no use. Why? Because it didn't make sense. It doesn't have to make sense. Lord, why, why pitch? Why, why can't I use nails and, and why this? And I don't know, Bible scholars, you got all the answers. But let me just tell you, if God shows up out of nowhere and tells you to make this monstrous uh, construction and nobody else is going to help you and you got to do it all by yourself, you'll be tempted to ask, why? You know why? Because this, walking with God means obedience without understanding. You know what that's called in the Bible? Faith. I care not today what tomorrow may bring. In shadow or sunshine or rain. I know my Lord ruleth o'er everything, and all of my worry is vain. Living by faith in Jesus above, trusting, confiding in his great love. 
Now listen, that's a great song, and it's nice to sing, but it is sometimes hard to live. You know, I've learned, God doesn't tell Moses every plague that's going to happen. Moses, first there's going to be this, and then this, and then this. You know what one of the plagues was? Darkness that could be felt. Now, you know what that is a picture of? The world without God. But the children of Israel had light in their dwelling. God doesn't walk through every single plague. You know what he does? I want you to go talk to, Mo- to Pharaoh. Well, what, what if he doesn't listen? Ah, oh, throw your stick down. Oh, okay, all right. Uh, well, what about this? The Lord's like, all right, you just need to go. And he gets there, and you know the encounters, the back and forth. If God had laid out for Moses, this is going to happen, then this is going to happen, then this is going to happen, and then it looks like you're going to win, only to lose. But then you come back. <laughs> and then this happens, and then you guys get out there, and everyone's dancing, and it's a good time. Then you get to the sea, and the chariots are coming. But God, why? I know, but hold on, it's going to get better. Then I'm going to part it. Whoa, are you sure? Yeah, you're going to walk through on dry land. That's amazing, Lord. Yeah, but it's not going to look like it. And then when you get to the other side, all that water that just went pshh, and kill Pharaoh, you guys are going to want some water, there's not going to be any water, and you're going to yell, God, why'd you bring us out here to kill us? <laughs> what if he told them everything at one time? Moses could not handle it. You know why God tells you one thing at a time? Because it's what you can handle. So you respond to the light that you're given, and you obey that without understanding everything. I love when the Lord asks the disciples, understandest thou? And they're like, yeah. (laughs) No, they did not. You you know that because after the resurrection, you're like, oh. When he talked about rising from the dead, I didn't know he meant him. (laughs) You, You know what you have to do sometimes? You have to go with what God says, even if you don't understand it. That's what Noah did. That's why Noah walked with God. Can, can you imagine the arguments that may have come between Noah and Mrs. Noah? Uh, Noah, everything, everyone thinks we're weird. And no one wants to hang out with us anymore. Are you sure about this? Yep, I'm sure. Noah, it's been 50 years. I know. When are you going to get that? Guys, you ever have a project at your house you just can't seem to get done? Right? And every day she goes out she's like, there it still is. You know what Noah had to realize? His timetable wasn't God's. Look at Genesis 5 and verse 32. How old is Noah in Genesis 5, 32? <laughs> Dude, I'm like, I know it's different before the flood. I get it. I get it. Don't, Bible scholars, don't come after me after church. You know, before the antediluvian, post-diluvian, I get it. But still, it's a big number. 500, you know, turns around the, the earth, you know, all the revolution. I mean, 500 years. God, are you sure you got the right guy? Lord, I could have done this when I was like, you know, 100 in my youth. <laughs> but now I'm middle-aged, you know. According to Methuselah, I'm middle-aged. I, I don't know if this is the right project for me. Now look at Genesis chapter 6, verse 11. And God puts these things in here for a reason. Genesis chapter, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 7. Chapter 7, excuse me, chapter 7, verse 11. In the 600th year of Noah's life, so we are 100 years away from where it all started. In the second month, 17th day of the month, the same day where all the fountains of the great deep broken up. It took 100 days for the Lord to deliver on that rain. You may go, Lord, I've been praying about this for two weeks. <laughs> and Noah's like, 
Lord, let him wait, let him wait. <laughs> Make him wait 100 years, you know. <laughs> I mean, wait 100 years for the rain to come. You know what's, what's better than that? Look at chapter 8. Look at chapter 8. Oh, and by the way, in verse 12 of chapter 7, there's 40 days of rain. So you know what Noah's doing? He's just sitting around. After he does what he's supposed to do, he's like, all right, what do we do now? Wait. Look at chapter 8. Look at verse 13. Now this is the 601st year. So we're a year out. In the first month, about 11 months out, in the first month, in the first day of the month, the waters were dried up. So now I can get out? Yeah, but they were dried from, from the face of the ground. Look at the end of the verse. Just the face of the ground. It wasn't completely dry. That's why in verse 14, it took yet another month of sitting on that boat. Then you go, oh, no big deal. You try that. You try sitting in a floating device with a bunch of animals and it stinks. And everyone's been, listen, a cruise is fun for a week. <laughs> but a year and a month when, listen, all joking aside, you're hearing screams on the outside. And you're hearing people go, take my baby, take my baby. Please, they didn't do anything wrong. No, I'm sorry. No, would you give me another chance? And Noah's like, I can't, I didn't even shut the door. I didn't do this. God did it. The trauma that they would have gone through after hearing all of that. And what do we do? We're not zookeepers. We're not zoologists. Lord, what do we do with this, this hippopotamus? And, and these birds are flying around. You know, I, I mean, think about it. You're in a boat stuck with animals. And all joking aside, I'm sure the men and their wives did not always get along. We just need some time apart. Fine, you go to that side of the boat. <laughs> you know? All of that going on. And you know how to know how to remind yourself, Lord, I can't control any of that. You told me to build it, I built it. You told me to get inside, I got inside. You're the one that shut the door. Great picture of Jesus Christ in the ark. Lord, you shut you shut me in. I can't get out of here if I wanted to. And Lord, now that it's dry, we go forth. And I guarantee you, when he got onto that other side, on that dry land, there were tears streaming down his face, maybe his family's face. And you know, when everyone else, maybe in their family, they didn't say it out loud, but they thought, are you sure, Dad? I bet you when they got out on that other side, they hugged Daddy Noah. And they said, we're so glad that you walked with God. None of us literally would be here right now without Noah. One man walked with God. Obedience to God's authority, even when it doesn't make sense, brings protection because God brought him in the ark. Let me leave you with this thought. Look at Genesis chapter 9. In Genesis 6, the word alive shows up in verses 19 and 20. And Noah's walking with God brings life. See, what is that? It's a contrast, as you find in Romans 8, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. He, he, because he walked with God, he was able to preserve life. He could not preserve all of life. That wasn't his calling. His calling was preserve the life that God put in his boat. I don't know what life God puts in your boat, but whatever life that is, it's your job to preserve it, and you can't do that if you're not walking with God. You know what walking with God does? It brings you into something that's actually eternal in nature. Look at Genesis chapter 9 and verse number 13. I do set my bow, my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a token of a covenant 
between me and the earth. What a joke what it's been made into. That the, it's not what it was from God's perspective. Look at verse 14. It shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow, the bow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant which was between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. And the bow shall be in the cloud and I will look upon it. Watch it. That I may remember the what covenant? Between God and every living creature of all flesh that's upon the earth. Can I just say this? Your job, and you might have a good one, and God may have put you there, and that's a good thing for you to work and work your tail off and to make money and provide. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a good thing. And I want to make this clear. The person that works a job, because that's the job God gives them, is no less important than a person preaching a message. There's no difference in, there's no caste system in God's economy, all right? No one person is more important than the other in the body of Christ. But I, I want to say this. What, whatever it is that God gives you, that's great that you live it out. Can I just say this? You won't take your job into eternity. You won't take your 401k or your bank account. You won't take your car. I know some of you are like, you know, you park, you take two spots, and you park like way out in left field so that nobody comes near your car. You know what? One of these days, that's going to burn. Like literally melt. It's all going to be gone. You know what you can take with you? Something that touches eternity. Can I say you can't do that unless you walk with God? Your obedience allows you to point others to that bow in the sky, that rainbow, and go, let me tell you about, can you imagine every time they saw a rainbow after that day? He's still, he's still merciful. I know the ark's a picture of Jesus Christ, but I think of that rainbow. Him dying for every man, woman, race, creed, gender, whatever else you want to throw in there. Him dying for everyone. That bow in the cloud, you know what that is? It's a reminder of Jesus Christ, of God's mercy to mankind. One man's obedience brought that. And because of that, it created an everlasting covenant. Noah would have just been a guy that lived and died with everyone else. Why does he stand out? He walked with God. Let's all stand. Every head bowed every eye closed. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we want to start the year off the right way. We want to make a commitment to walk with you, regardless of others and what they think. And God, thank you for the example of Noah. I am confident, confident. Lord, you put that narrative in there for us. I am thankful, Lord. When I get to heaven, I want to shake his hand. I appreciate him. But Lord, he's not the hero of the story. You are. Well, we have life and we have something eternal and we have light and we have direction because of you. If you're a child of God this morning and you know you're saved, can I just encourage you? Maybe, maybe there are some things that have gotten, I don't know, little stale they're not where they ought to be maybe you're going through the motions and the rituals but your walk with God is not not where it ought to be and you want to start the year off the right way maybe just take a moment and say Lord this matters I want something to show for my life that's eternal in nature
I want that to start today. And Lord, when I wake up tomorrow, I'm going to say the same thing. And the day after that, the same thing. I'm thankful I don't have to get saved over and over and over. Amen. But I do have to rededicate myself to my relationship with Jesus Christ over and over and over and over. Why? Because my flesh wants me to walk in my own light. It's artificial. It does not take me where God wants me. I'm going to say what I'm about to say, not to manipulate, but just to get you to think a little bit. For some of you, and, and whether you pray at your chair, pray in your car on the way home, or come to an altar, I just hope that you get something settled between you and the Lord. But for some of you, it's been a long time since you've rededicated some things to the Lord. When you read through the Old Testament, you'll find that when the nation of Israel moved in the wrong direction, they started walking in the counsel of other gods and other voices, they would have to come back. And they had to rededicate the vessels of the temple and rededicate, why? Because they had been used for the wrong purpose. Christian, you are here for a purpose. It's for God. And when you use what God has given you, just for you, and leave him out of the picture, I don't even mean sin. Yeah, that's another conversation. But just living in my life as a practical atheist. I'm doing what I'm doing, living life. God, you catch up later on. The Lord tells Peter through the angel, go, stand, and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. You know what this life is? It's the best life. It's a life with less regrets. It's a life where I can help others. It's a hopeful life. It's a joyful life. It's a powerful life. You know what it is? It's everlasting life. I have all that because of Jesus. But I, I, I didn't come to him once to get saved and go, okay, well, we're done. No, that was the beginning. Now I've got as a babe, I've got to get up and start walking. So what if I look like an idiot? Every kid that starts walking for the first time looks foolish. But we look at it and go, isn't that cute? <laughs> right? You know what your Heavenly Father says? Oh, that's cute. <laughs> and there may be some people around you go, oh, you've made a mess. And the Lord goes, yeah, but they're trying to walk with me. If they're going to make a mess, I'd rather them make a mess because they're trying to walk with me <laughs> than make a mess because they're walking in the light of this world in darkness. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. i got one last question. If you're here and you've never been born again. You've never been saved. You go, well, preacher, it sounds to me like Christians still have, you know, things that aren't right in their lives. Yep, absolutely. But I'm going to tell you right now, the soul of a born-again believer is clean in the sight of God. The eternal element of my life is settled. I never have to worry about hell. I never have to worry about the judgment of God. I don't worry about losing my salvation. Just like my kids don't worry about me uh, kicking them out of the family. They're going to be a part of the family. Even if I did try to kick them out, uh, their DNA, my DNA is in them. They, they know that I'm their dad, and there's nothing that can ever change that. For the boys, you say, well, their DNA is dead. Yeah, you know what? I adopted them. That's what God did with you. Brought you in and said, you're mine. You can never lose it. You can lose your fellowship, you can lose your walk, but you won't lose me. You won't lose salvation. 
I'm thankful for that. If you're here today and you've never been saved and you'd like to be saved, you don't want to be here for the judgment that's coming. You want to have light. You want to have direction. You want to know what the purpose of life, you want to know why you're here. You want to know uh, how to know God. It comes through Jesus Christ. That's it. If you've never been saved, how about this? Start the new year, first Sunday of the new year, by coming to Jesus Christ and saying, I'd like to be born again. If you're here and you're saved, lift your hand and say, amen, I'm a, I'm a born again. I'm a, I'm a new creature because I'm a creature, all right? Yeah. A lot of hands up. If you're here and you couldn't raise your hand, I'll ask you, what's holding you back? Would you be honest enough right now to go, I'm not saved, but I'd like to be, by simply lifting your hand? I'm not going to call you out. I won't drag you down here, but I'd like to know so I can pray for you. Salvation is simple, but you need to know what it is in order to take advantage of it. <laughs> if you're here and you've never been saved, before you leave today, please, please, even if it looks like people are talking and they're doing stuff, stop someone that can open a Bible. I'll be glad to be that person. I'd love to open a Bible and show you what it means to be born again so you can start this year off the right way. Believers, you've got salvation in your hand but it's up to you to walk with him. And I pray that you do that. Uh, Noah's a great example. A lot to learn from Noah. We'll look at another character next Sunday. And uh, walking with God is kind of like, you need to get right with God. What does that mean? You should walk with God. What does that mean? Well, we're going to explain that over the next couple of weeks. So come back. Uh, Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, Bible study. Uh, we are going through the seven churches in Revelation, um, learning a lot. And uh, next Sunday, back at it, 10 o'clock, uh, for Sunday school in the Gospel of John. DBC again, kids, Wednesday night. If I could ask for maybe like uh, anyone that's in college and career that can spare maybe two minutes, you could kind of meet over this way um, after church. If you make your way up this way, I just have a request. And Brother Stian, if you can make there as well, request from you guys. Otherwise, let's close in a word of prayer and we'll, uh, we'll see what the Lord does for us this week. Amen? All right. Uh, Brother Felix, close out in a word of prayer, sir.